Welcome to the Sing Better Fast podcast, the podcast exclusively for serious and passionate vocalists. You are now part of a professional group of smart and motivated singers who want to become masters of the voice and inspire millions with our music. Get all of our podcast episodes, notifications for upcoming events, new podcast releases, and other vocal resources at singbetterfast.com. Now here are your hosts, Jamie Vendera and Ben Valen. Hello, singers. This is Ben Valen with another episode of the Sing Better. Fo- uh, wow, <laughs> <laughs> we're leaving that. All right, all right. So I left Jamie's flub in the last beginning. I guess. All right. I guess I just have to leave that one. <laughs> guess I just have to leave that into. All right, Sing Better Fast podcast. I don't know. Maybe I should pick an easier name for a podcast next time. Uh, yeah, so- everyone listening, say that ten times in a row. <laughs> All right, everyone, send me an email, leave a review, say that Ben guy doesn't know how to talk. Um, anyway, so this is Ben, and I got Jamie with me, and now we're off to a great start. So, Jamie, well, I what got are we a, talking about today? Well, I got a great idea because uh, uh, does practice make perfect, true or false? And this will allow you to practice saying sing better fast because the more Definitely. you practice it, the better you'll get. So, uh, what are your thoughts? Does practice, does it make perfect? You know, that's it's a common saying. Uh, among people who do any type of type of music practice makes perfect and story um i used to play clarinet well i still play clarinet not as much as i used to but um i for the first i don't know 7 years of playing clarinet it, um i had my hands in a in a wrong position and so whenever i would uh play my fingers were always really far off the top of the clarinet and so i had to move my fingers very far to cover the holes of the clarinet. Um, This would kind of be similar, you know, if you were playing piano, taking your fingers too far away from the keys or something. And I did this for seven years. I practiced a lot um, in those first seven years. And I got pretty decent at it. But for a lot of like challenging music, like if it was you know, 160 beats per minute, and I have a bunch of 16th notes or whatever, I would just never get that right because I was moving my fingers too far away. I didn't know this at the time. And so then, um, so I went to our, my clarinet instructor. Um, I didn't really take lessons all that much, which is, I probably could have corrected this issue a lot sooner if I had taken lessons earlier. Um, So that's a clue. Um, And so, so I went to my clarinet instructor and I said, I cannot play these and I think I'm doing everything right. I know I can hit all the notes. What am I doing wrong? And she said, oh, well, all it is is your fingers are too far away from the clarinet. So all you need to do is keep your fingers closer. And that was so weird to me. It took me a few months of practice to get that right because anytime a a difficult part came up in the music and I wasn't paying attention to where my fingers were, I would still take them too far away from the clarinet. And so it took a long time for me to correct this issue. So practice for me did not make perfect. It makes permanent. I did it this way for seven years. And then finally, my, my clarinet instructor fixed me. Um, and it wasn't really an issue for a lot of the music I was playing. And so I don't, I don't know, maybe she never really looked at my hands and saw what I was doing. Or, you know, maybe it, she didn't see it as an issue because of the, you know, the easy music. But this was what the problem was. And I did not know that. And so a couple morals of the story here. Number one, 
a good coach can catch problems early. That way you don't waste seven years doing it the wrong way. Number two, if you practice the wrong way for years and years, it takes a long time to fix that. And in my case, for clarinet, it's not that big of a deal because, you know, I'm not like hurting my hands the way I'm doing this. But if you're singing and you're practicing wrong for years, that puts you at risk of developing vocal trouble. And I can go get a new clarinet if I do something wrong with my clarinet. If I'm playing guitar and I snap a string, I can go get a new guitar or a new guitar string. For your voice, you only have one voice. You can't just go you know, down to the music store and buy a new set of vocal cords. So for singing, you have to be even better about making sure you're doing stuff right and correcting problems as early as possible. Well, that, um, I mean, that just reinforces the truth when I say that uh, you develop bad habits. That's where they come from. And a lot of my students, you know, I'm, I'm not a miracle worker. <laughs> it's funny. We just did a blog on a miracle vocal exercise. But you see them like, gain an octave in a day. You can gain amazing range. And what I've seen with students is if they've, had like maybe some bad habits, but they weren't that hard, well ingrained and I can correct them. I've seen students game five, six, seven notes in a lesson. Um, and like we talked before, you know, it's going to transfer into singing, but it's just because they've been practicing incorrectly for maybe a year or so. And as soon as we, we change like their breathing or the support, bam. And it's like, wow, a light bulb goes on. Right. Now, I've also worked with students who've been singing for 20 years and they're like, look, every night I got to have a shot of yig. And, and then the next morning I can't speak for three or four hours. Uh, and then I, I can't play two gigs in a row. So they've heavily ingrained some bad habit. Usually it's forcing too much air. That does take a little a longer to unwind and unravel right. and, and correct. So practice can make almost permanent, you know, if you, if you're not um, careful, Right. You know, if you find a good coach, you can fix it. However, we would like to see practice make permanent in a healthy way so that um, you correct it and there's no problems with it. I, I remember when I was learning breathing, um, I, I didn't have a lot of coaches that focused on breathing. You know, it, it really wasn't a big issue. Even my main coaches, until tell Elizabeth Sabine, um, it was just, you know, even with Jim, amazing coach. I mean, I wouldn't be shattering glass without him, but breathing was a given, you know, you know, fill up the tank, bam, you do it. But you've always heard this breathe from the diaphragm, support from the diaphragm thing. And it took me a long time to learn really the truth beyond that. So here I am. I'm studying yoga books. I'm reading breathing books. And um, before I reached Elizabeth Sabine, before I started working with her, I did figure it out. But it took me three years of study to figure it out on my own to get this lower abdominal breathing to happen so I wasn't raising my, my shoulders. And I had been playing in bars and, and breathing incorrectly for years and years. So it was really hard for me to unravel. Luckily, by the time I got to Liz, um, you know, she just reinforced everything. And she said, yeah, precisely. You're, you're so correct. That's the way it needs to be done. Uh, that's how you support. That's how you breathe. So I uh, knock on wood, knock on my head here. Uh, I was lucky enough to you know, it, lucky and not lucky. I was lucky enough to figure it out on my own eventually and work hard to fix it. But if I had had a coach earlier on who really focused on breathing and how to make it an actual technique, uh, it would have came about a lot quicker. So, you know, you, you got to find a good coach. You got to make sure you're breathing, supporting in place and correctly. 
So that reminds me of something else. Um, I ran my first marathon when I was, I think I was 19, and I ran the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. In high school, I was uh, running cross country and I did track. I ran a lot. I was decently fast. And so then I decided, okay, I'm going to go run this marathon. And, and then I go run the marathon. And then after I'm done with the marathon, I finished pretty quick. I think my time for my first marathon was 3.57, 3 hours, 57 minutes, and like 56 seconds or something. So that's it's decent, decent speed. But after the marathon, my knees were killing me. And it took about two weeks for the knee pain to wear off. I ended up going to the doctor and talking to the doctor about it, you know, and he didn't really know what to say. He wasn't uh, a physical therapist. He wasn't a running coach. He wasn't a runner. And he was just giving me um, some aspirin. He's like, just take this and, you know, maybe massage your knees. And he basically told me, go on the Internet, read about running stretching. I'm like, I already know how to stretch. I already know this, you know, so I was not happy with this doctor. What I ended up doing uh, is I ended up contacting some of my friends who were also runners. And I also got in touch with my old cross country coach from high school. And I told them what happened. And they said, and then they told me, oh, well, here's, here's what you're doing wrong. And then my cross country coach, actually, he sent me, oh, here's a diagram of running form. Just that one thing. He sent me a picture. And he, he took a few minutes on the phone. I think it was like 10 minutes or something. And he explained to me like the gist of what I was doing wrong. Wow. I had been running for so long in cross country. Now in cross country, you know, the farthest distance we ever ran was, you know, three miles for a race. And sometimes on the weekends, we'd go for like a 10 mile run. And it was sort of kind of more jog walk type of stuff for 10 miles. So this knee issue with my running form never became an issue until I ran a marathon. That's when it became an issue. He was my cross country coach helped me so much just by explaining one thing just one little thing and i've since i think i ran how many i think i've run three more marathons since and a handful of uh half marathons and i don't have that knee issue anymore i think i might have some sort of you know uh lingering negative uh stuff going on with my knees and so sometimes my knees hurt for a few minutes after running long distances but i i normally just kind of assume that i got lazy with my form um, and if I pay attention to it and I'm good with it, I can run a half marathon and not feel pain in my knees. And so I was running wrong for a very, very long time. And so practicing running didn't make perfect. Practicing running ingrained bad habits that I didn't know were bad habits. And it took a coach, someone more knowledgeable than me, to fix that. And now I've seen tremendous benefit as a result. You know, um, when I attended the Musicians Institute, the Vocal Institute Technology in Hollywood, I had a coach there named John Zipper, who I absolutely love. And I remember he said to me once, um, I'll be happy when a student goes to a gig and when they come to me the next day, they don't say, John, I, I sang amazing, but man, my throat hurts after the gig or in the morning. When they Instead, they say, man, my back muscles and stomach muscles hurt. And at the time, looking back, John was teaching me about breathing, but I didn't really catch on. You know, when I was in Hollywood, it was so overwhelming and trying to pull this in. And um, there was another guy. He was the bass player for Vanilla Fudge. And I can't believe his, believe his name just slipped my mind. Amazing singer, Tim Bogert. Same thing. I, I really, I look back now, I'm reminiscing as we're doing this. I'm thinking, wow, that's really where I learned about breath support the correct way. But being so young, 
a lot of it was just so much that I didn't take it in. And I see that with some of my own students too. And, you know, and uh, one thing I remember when we did Mythbusters, God love Adam Savage, but when he was breaking glass, he said, squeeze the sphincter. And really that's not what it is. And it's, it's a bearing down like you're going to the restroom. So you're not squeezing the sphincter to get that, that abdominal support, which supports the diaphragm so you don't release too much air. But I've had students say, okay, Jamie, I think I got it. I'm squeezing the sphincter, but my throat feels locked up. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's right. Because you're not doing it correctly. You're not listening to me. Let's go back and let's start again. Because that one little change, just like the, the running diagram for you, once they understand that the bearing down is not about squeezing the sphincter, you know, squeezing the butt cheeks, it's more about the bearing down, like, you know, passing gas or whatever, then th the light bulbs go off and they try it and they're like, ah, oh, I get it. I'm not squeezing in my throat. I'm not grunting like going to the restroom. That's not what you mean. <laughs> exactly. It's not has nothing to do with grunting. I, I've heard and Benny will probably get mad at me for saying this because I've mentioned it so many times. But another coach has said before, uh, oh, Jamie uses brute force behind my back. That's that's such a lie. It's it's not brute force. When I shatter glass, it's not brute force. It's it's so much precise control there's a streamline of air but the way that i do it and support it sounds ungodly awful <laughs> but ungodly loud to shatter glass and it never hurts my throat because i'm not using brute force i'm using control to get it but i've seen seen uh, people try to break glass and lose their voice i've witnessed right. this and why Probably because they're thinking, sing from the diaphragm. They're they're supporting incorrectly uh, to keep that streamline of air going so that they can shatter the glass. So one little minute thing uh, that you practice wrong can cause right. vocal issues. So a couple things. Uh, when you were describing support, there, that just reminded me, you want less air coming out of your mouth and more air coming out of your your other end. <laughs> you know, I always joke. I was like, I've heard rock stars fart. So if you pass gas in front of me, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, judge you. All right. Now I feel like someone's like cringing and making a nasty face and think that that Ben guy's got a nasty sense of humor. But I mean, that's, that's kind of what it is. The support, like it, that's sort of what it's like. You don't actually need to fart, but you, it's sort of that bearing down. Um, but anyway, um, the, uh, oh, dang it. What was the other thing I was going to say? Must have been a lie. All right. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that part out. Okay. Uh, oh, 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 okay. I remember what I was going to say now. In physics, um, quick comparison I want to make here. So most light, take the sun, take a light bulb, anything, a flashlight. Most light is sprayed. So if you're really close to the sun or you're really close to a light bulb or a flashlight and, and you're, so you're shining it in your eyes, it's really, really bright. The farther away it is from you, the less bright it is. And the reason for that is because the light spreads and it sprays out over a wide area, right? And so the sun is really near to us on Earth. And so it looks really big and bright. But there are bigger, stronger stars farther away. Right. So this is this is a basic physics thing. Now, that's how sing, singing is kind of similar to this. The what's the what's the alternative to spraying light? The alternative to spraying light focusing. is focusing light. Right. And so if you get a magnifying glass and you have it at the right angle, you can use the magnifying glass to collect the light that is being sprayed by the sun and focus it on something. And, you know, you can 
you know, light a piece of dried grass on fire or something, and you're you're focusing the intensity, you're focusing the energy of the sun uh, using a magnifying glass rather than letting it disperse and get sprayed all over the place. Similarly, this is singing. If you focus your air and you don't overdo it, you can shatter glass. Uh, for me, this visualization helps me uh, with full voice in the upper register and spraying your air and just it going all over the place. That's sort of like shouting using way too much air. And that's a source of a lot of vocal problems for a lot of people. And so this one distinction that I just pointed out, focusing versus dispersing the air and the energy this one thing for me helped a lot. Um, and I think, Jamie, in your book, Raise Your Voice, you make analogies similar to what I just said. Yes. Um, and so and so that, for me, was a big mindset shift. And I had, I had been in choir for years, and I had been singing for years before I read your book. And for me, that's what kind of mentally got me to the place where I could get up to full voice. And so this is just another example of the illustration. One point, one piece of information can be the difference between struggling and failing and bad habits and succeeding doing well with good habits. And so that's, that's and, and the Vendera Vocal Academy in Raise Your Voice in B24, we have a lot of these type of things that are the one thing for a singer that takes them to where they want to be. And you know, um, that's, and Raise Your Voice is the same thing. I When you find that one piece of information, if you don't practice routinely, uh, practice won't make perfect or won't make permanent. That's why I pushed five days a week in the book, but I beg you for six and say so you can take one day off. And really, I got that that attitude from one of my favorite coaches, Thomas Appel, because he always said, your voice likes to be worked out routinely. So, you know, when you have a, and I had a student once upon a time, I'm sure I told this story before, and he came to me for a lesson. And then it was like a month later, he's emailing me and he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm not improving. I haven't get, gained one note. I don't know what's going on. And I'm thinking, okay, it's been four, four or five weeks. So let's say it's five weeks. So six times a week, uh, uh, that's 30 times. But we'll just say five times a week. That's 25 uh, uh, practice sessions. What is going on? I said, how can you go back and count how many times you practice since our lesson? And he, he responds, yeah. He says, I think it's been four or five. So I told him, I said, you know what? Uh, we're done. Don't don't book another lesson. The problem is you're lazy. Uh, you don't want to practice. And it freaked this guy out. And he he begged me, please. And I said, no. I said, if you if you if you book a lesson, I'm refunding your money. I'm not going to do it. Please don't do anything. I said, okay. You practice for the next 30 days. Every day, you do not get a day off. I said, and then on the 31st day, we'll do a lesson. I will know in five minutes whether you skipped or not. And um, would I have really? I'd, I'd tell everyone you so would have known, <laughs> but probably not. But uh, I got him in the lesson, and he did. He worked really hard, and you know what? It changed his mindset, and he started working so hard that he ended up getting a scholarship to college for his voice. He improved that much because he started to practice. That's why. Like I wrote that little book, Practicing, which is in uh, Reclaim Your Voice, or you can buy the ebook, and that's where I got these little clicker counters. You just click, click, click. They go from zero up to 9,999, and I'll get hooked on an exercise. Like I might have said it in this blog or the last one, because uh, we're filming two today, that I'm up to 2,358 of the, ooh, 
ooh, the slides uh, that Dr. Zoglu has me doing uh, from toning my head back and coming down the chin to the chest. And I will get hooked on an exercise and I'll do 10,000 of them. I'm just, I'm ate up with it. Doesn't mean I slack off and don't do V24 or my warmups or anything. This is just in bonus with what I'm doing. And I got that idea because Jim Gillette and I were talking one day and I can't remember the name of the book. But uh, someone wrote a book about, you know, you practice 10,000 hours and that's when you become a master. Right. Well, I wanted to streamline. I was like, well, forget 10,000 hours right now. What if I did 10,000 exercises of the same one? So that helps me. Same thing with singing. You know, a lot of people are like, how do I learn to sing, you know, this Prince song or this Def Leppard song or this Journey song? And I, I have this weird, really weird routine where I'll make a playlist and I will do the actual song. And then I will go and find the karaoke version of it, and I'll put it in there too. And I'll say, okay, um, do that on your iPhone, your Android, and also get an app like um, Vocal Live from IK Multimedia or um, where's my iPhone? I can't believe I just forgot the name of it. Or get like a TC Helicon app, and they've got the couple that I like is like the Voice Jam uh, or the Voice uh, Rack Effects. And then you can turn it on to play in the background. You can put it on your headphones. And then when you sing along, you'll hear yourself have a couple little effects on your voice. So you'll feel like, yes, I'm in I'm in the zone. But you go through and you sing that, that playlist t at least five times. So it means you're singing along with the artist once and then karaoke by yourself. Back and forth and back and forth. Five times for both songs. So it's ten times. And it starts to... Uh, not only you're practicing and learning to apply your technique when you're singing along with them, when you're by yourself with the karaoke track, you start to pay attention and you start to correct little nuances you may have like, oh, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm taking a breath too early. I'm not doing it in the same spot. I'm not supporting enough on that high note. And these things start to click in your mind. And the more you sing a song, the more you learn it, the easier it is to sing because practice makes permanent. So what we're talking about, doing 10,000, practicing so much, all that stuff, if that sounds like, oh, that's too much work, I don't want to practice that much, oh my goodness, that sounds terrible, um, I just want to get the best results I can in, in like no time at all, right? And I understand that. I was there, Jamie was there, I think every singer either has been there or is still is there. We all want speed which is fine. It's, it's, it's fine to want that. Um, what isn't fine is when that gets in your way of actually doing it. And so for me, I've actually kind of changed my mindset. I used to be in the, in the space mentally where I was like, okay, I just want to practice as little as I can for a day and then just be done with it. And then, then I'm, I'm done. Right. So I've actually recently, actually just the last couple of weeks, I've changed that to, all right, well, I'm going to do my daily practice and I want to see how much more practice I can fit in through the day. Like I enjoy it, right? I enjoy singing. I enjoy practicing. So why not do more of it? Now, slight caveat to that. Don't over practice. If, if your technique is a bit off, you don't want to overdo it, obviously, and you just want to fix your technique and you don't want to mentally obligate yourself to five hours of practice every day because then you're going to quit after day two but i do my v24 uh warm-up workout and songs and then throughout the day you know i'll still just okay i'll pull up my playlist and i'll set it to play and then i'll just sing along with it i actually enjoy practicing more um more than less and a lot of singers that either they are also there or it's at least a helpful uh, perspective to take on because if you if you constantly dread like oh I have to practice this is terrible you might need to just adjust your mindset about it 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 can be fun you just have to 
not mentally tell yourself, oh, this is a chore. I hate it. I broke my ankle in crack out pulling a little over two years ago. So I got really lazy with working out. Then I put out the book Sing Fit. So imagine that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I'm back into it, and I was like, "Oh, I can't get to the gym till seven. Uh, then I ran into an old buddy from middle school and from grade school, and he said, "Why don't we start working out together?" So we'll start at six thirty. Then I thought, "Well, I'll get there about six fifteen, and then I kept pushing it earlier. Now I'm up at five a.m. so I can get to uh, there, and I do forty five minutes of cardio. Then I work out for an hour with him. I love it. Now this morning, I woke up, I was tired. I thought, oh, I'll skip cardio this morning." So I set my alarm for 5.45, and I laid there from 5 to 5.30, feeling so <laughs> guilty. I finally got out of bed. I made it there. I, I slipped in 30 minutes of cardio, and we worked out. So I think once you develop the routine, yeah, definitely, you, you'll get hooked on it. And I, I, you might have heard me hitting on my keyboard a minute ago. Uh, like we got that Facebook group and and uh, there was somebody and I've, I've seen this before, like, Hey, my, my modern life, my pro life, it don't allow me to always have enough time to work out. What do you do? Well, I'm here to tell you that's just an excuse. You either, you, 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 you don't find the time. And we, we've said this before, Benny and I say this all the time. Uh, you make, you make the time and you, you've got to learn to love it. If, if you love singing, you will Fine, not fine, but you will make that time to practice. Right. It will become part of your daily life. It's that and simple. The sort of so a couple things. Uh, you mentioned Krakow, Poland. You went to Poland and you did a vocal workshop there, and you ended up. I remember, if I remember correctly, you ended up meeting. Uh, there were other there were people in the Vendera Vocal Academy and some of yes. your students from over there who came and visited you. And so that was really cool. But also, weren't you like giving one of them a piggyback ride or something? Oh, you, you <laughs> dirty dog. See, my wife don't even know how I did this. OK, so here's the here's the truth. It was the second day of the workshop and I just did. We we're doing three hour workshops every day. It was on screaming how to do grit. So imagine that three days of just ah, screaming. Didn't hurt my voice once. Hurt my leg. So we were taking pictures after the second day of work, uh, three hours, like noon or something. And um, I can't believe his name just slipped my mind. Love this guy. Bartek? I can't believe, yeah, Bartek. Uh, Kuczynski. Uh, so he, there was a chair behind me, and he hops up on it, and he puts one leg over my shoulder. And I'm like, well... I'm feeling muscular. I'm, I'm doing sing fit, get ready to put out this book. And I had this choo-choo train hat on, I call it. I don't even know what happened to it. But um, it had a little bill on the front of it. And I, I squatted down. And I grabbed his other leg. I threw him. And I just stood up so he's up on my shoulders. He's a big guy, too. He's six foot something. I'm like I'm like four foot 12 or something. I'm really <laughs> short. So I got him up. And then he, he didn't mean to, but he hit my hat. And it, it pushed it down. And it blinded me. So I'm bending down to let him off my shoulders, and I get worried that I'm going to drop him, and I shifted my weight to the left, and when I did, we fell, and I, I you could hear it, and I heard it, it Ooh, snap. Ouch. And so we went to have lunch, and I'm hobbling with him and Henry Corsini, and we had a couple other guys um, that knew me from VBA, and um, we uh, it's killing me. And I get back, I'm in so much pain, and I have to teach 30-minute uh, lessons, like 12 more the rest of the day. Then the next day I had to teach again and I wasn't looking at it. I'm hobbling on one leg and I'm doing everything and I can't believe I'm, they're like, we need to take you to hospital. No, I'll be fine. So we leave and um, I'm hitting the train station, get to Germany and my, my flights are really tight and I'm just running 
to get to my next, uh, you know, where, where you leave for your plane. And I'm screaming every time I step on it. I get home, I take my shoe off, and it's black and blue. Uh, but, hey, that practice makes permanent. <laughs> I, kept, I kept practicing running on that bad foot. And I'm telling oh, you, it took two years to heal up uh, before I felt decent with my ankle. So. Yeah, so here's a pro vocal tip uh, for everyone. Don't put people on your back and then get blinded and trip. Um, <laughs> that's bad for your health. <laughs> um, but so one thing I wanted to mention is you were talking about singers. Okay, well, I have I have too much stuff going on. I don't have time to sing, you know, I, et cetera, et cetera. What do I do? See, it's possible that you don't have the time. But in an earlier podcast, a few... Um, I talk, I do, I do time. I say, okay, let's assume you work this many hours. Let's you spend this much time showering. You spend this much time watching TV. You spend this much time with family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have 10 hours easy a week to practice. Um, and I was overestimating how long you do all of those other things, 10 hours a week, no big deal. Second, this goes back all the way to our very first podcast episode. And if you have not listened to our very first podcast episode, uh, and also episode number six. I do recommend listening to those. You're going to love them. In podcast episode number one, I talk about the two philosophical positions, right? If someone is saying, oh, I want to sing, but I don't have time, et cetera, et cetera, there's a very good chance that person is in philosophical position number one. I don't know if this specific person was asking is in philosophical position number one. It's possible they're not. And maybe they truly, really are totally pressed for time. But I really strongly doubt that. Um, because everyone says they don't have time. But you do have the time. And so if you don't know what I mean by philosophical position number one, I strongly recommend go back to singbetterfast.com and episode number one, the two philosophical positions. And I've gotten, uh, I think we both have heard great things about that particular episode and a lot of people have gotten a lot of value out of that. So if you enjoyed this episode, you're going to love that one. Um, so anyone who has the I don't have time mentality, one, you do. Um, yeah, look two, at your day. Quit watching right. Netflix. Uh, right. Sleep less. Um, you know, quit playing video games, or don't right. don't don't give me the excuse. Well, I can't because when I get home, everyone's awake. Where, did you drive to work? Yeah, you could have been doing it in the car on the way home, uh, to work and from work, or you can go set your butt out in the car and practice there. I've seen people like uh, Ryan Waddell. I remember him uh, sending me little videos from him being in the car with his little keyboard or his pitch wheel, uh, and he would be practicing in the car so he had a, a more of a quiet space instead of in his apartment so he would do his routine because he wanted to get it in. So you, you can. You can find a place to practice. You can make the time to practice. So you make the time to practice and practice correctly, practice the right stuff, do it consistently, and this is probably unwelcome advice um, to people who, you know, jump around from video to video on YouTube and want instant octave from one exercise. And I understand that mentality. I used to be there uh, for quite a long time. And so, you know, I'm not like trying to talk down to anyone who thinks that way, but you just have to understand that mentality. You're not going to get there doing that. The best singers in the world the most accomplished musicians the, of the lead singers of the biggest bands you know, they do not adhere to the, I'm going to watch one a video, do one exercise for 10 minutes and have a miracle voice. That just does not happen. That is not reality. 
Um, and so you can get kind of close to that if you practice correctly and you practice consistently and you practice the right stuff over time. Um, and so our goal with the Vendera Vocal Academy and B24 is to help you do exactly that. Correct stuff consistently um, and to do it well. Well, that's what makes a professional. I had um, one of my students is Dustin Bates from Starset and uh, we usually do Skype, but I also teach in Columbus. So that's where he lives. And they just got off tour. Uh, we did a lesson last week and uh, we were going up and I'm like, okay, well, let's drop down and just do the stair stepping. And you know what? He naturally did that. He's like, oh no, dude, that's what I do. I get up there and I'm, I'm so angry. I can't get through this. No, I'll work it. I'll hit it. I'll go down one. I'll go back up and down and up and down until I, I've got it locked into place. And he works out every day. You know why? Because they are becoming one of the most successful bands out today because he is dedicated to keeping his voice in top shape and to push higher and harder to make sure that they're super successful. You got to train like that. You know, you have to really focus. You can't uh, just slack off. You know, yeah. you can't, you can't call me and say, Hey, I'm not gaining any notes uh, in the last month. How many times you practice? All oh, four or five. Right. You know? Yeah. You have to train and practice like you mean it. Like if, if some, if you told someone you were a singer and then they, then they were to watch your practice habits and your behaviors over the following month, if they didn't know who you were, would your exercise, your, sorry, your, your vocal workout, would your habits show them that you're a singer? If it's someone who you don't know, you don't, they don't even know you like singing. If they were to watch you, what you do every day for a month, would they get the impression that, oh man, this guy's a serious, uh, he's a serious student about voice. If the answer is no, guess what? <laughs> your philosophical position number one, and you got to do it. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just reality. To get good, to develop skills in any way, you have to do it consistently and improve over time. And that is what is called the attitude of mastery and refinement, which I believe that's the name of episode number six. So go ahead, dig into that if you don't hate me for everything that I just said in this episode. No, and, and ending, you know, it's it's study and practice and Anyone who knows me knows I, I try I, I try to answer every email I receive personally. I've always been that way for the last dozen years. Uh, you know, I try to answer on the message boards when I can. But when I see a singer who's like, oh, I own Raise Your Voice and I'm practicing, and they send me the same simple questions day after day after day after day, I know they're not serious about it. And I'm not saying I'm not here to help you. I'm more than happy to answer your questions because even after reading Razor Works and trying it, you're going to have some questions. And I want to make sure you succeed. But when you're like, oh, well, what kind of warm-ups can I do before this? And I'm like, well, you know, what does falsetto do? You haven't read the book. You're not right. studying. You know, and that is part of practice makes perfect. You can't just buy the book, use it to uh, as a paperweight. And then e email me 500 questions. You have to put in the time. And a lot of times I'll respond, uh, read the book, read the book. Right. And it's not because I'm being a, you know, a smart aleck. I'm doing it to inspire you to read the book, right. to apply it. Because if I tell you, that's great, but are you really going to apply it? But if you're – and I've had uh, people do, okay, I've looked, oh, my God, on page 287. You're right. It makes so much sense now. Right. You're going to learn so much more out of that than me just answering the question in an email. Definitely. So, Actually, on the topic of the book, um, I know you have a few people uh, in the Facebook group, and I know you have some longtime students. It's almost a joke now. Like, um, you know, someone will ask a question, 
and you don't even say it, someone else will come in and say it. Oh, you just need to read the book. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and and it it sounds kind of snarky and smart alecky, but it's really not intended for that. The reason the book exists is to answer. So you get all <laughs> these questions all the time, and so what better way to deal with it? Just answer all of them thoroughly. Put it in the book, and here you go. I did that to Ryan the other day, Ryan Waddell, and he, he hears this and he'll, he'll just laugh. But he was like, okay, should I use a, a warm or a cool mist? I'm like, well, if you got to ask that, I know you haven't read my book. <laughs> and it, But, but he, he responded back. He said, well, that's the he laughed. He said, that's not what I meant. This is what I meant because of can't ruin equipment and da-da-da-da-da. Right, right, right. So I'm like, okay, that makes more sense. And then something else, someone was asking about how long should you practice? And he right. says, well, I'm still reading the book and I've been reading it since 2012. <laughs> no, well, yeah, no. So another, oh my goodness. I, I just keep going on and on, but um, I have read Raise Your Voice. I think I've read it through entirely like four times now. And every time I read it, I get something more out of it. I read and, it once. <laughs> <That was enough. laughs> and so, uh, you know, continually learning. That's what, that's the name of the game. And then the last thing I was going to say um, well, I, I guess what I just said was the last thing I was going to say. I don't remember the other thing I was going to say. What's been like? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, I guess that wraps it enough. You've heard enough of us rambling on and on and going in circles. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're good to go. That's what we like to do. <laughs> yes, that's right. All right. So, um, I guess that's going to be it then. So thank you everyone for your time and attention. And I know sometimes I can come across as a little preachy and kind of boring, but I promise I'm doing it because it's it's out of love. I want to help you sing better. Jamie and I are both here uh, for you to do that. And so please don't take it the wrong way. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Next episode coming out very soon. So be sure if you're not on our email notification list for that, go to our website, singbetterfast.com. You'll be able to download all of our previous episodes as well as uh, get access to the notification list. Just put your email address in. It's real easy, and you'll get emails about it. And uh, Jamie and I, over time, we're going to start doing live recordings, and so you can hear us uncensored, uh, you know, hear it unedited, goofing off. We're going to have uh, special events where we do video broadcasts, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, coming up and also we like to occasionally send out freebies to people who are on the notification list so go ahead and do that at singbetterfast.com with all that said that is everything i have so jamie do you have anything else you'd like to say before we wrap it up no i'm, I'm always offended by you but that's just, uh, that's just me. <laughs> i'm a very offensive person so <laughs> if you if you if you uh are offended by me just send an email ben at benvalen.com and i'll be Tell sure him to ignore you, you. Yeah, tell them same Jamie sent you, and I'll be sure to just ignore you. Um, no, not really. Uh, no, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone takes you as offensive. I, I love this organic approach. Oh um, yeah, me too, guys. We we come up with the topic and we shoot off the and top we, of our heads. We just, we just roll with it. Yep. Yeah. I don't. Uh, someday we'll take notes. Yeah. Some <laughs> someday we'll go by the outline or whatever. But I I don't know. It's more fun for me this way. Yeah. So. Much more fun. All right. Well, singers, we'll see you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sing Better Fast podcast. Be sure to subscribe for new podcast releases, events, and other great vocal resources at singbetterfast.com.